everyone, and welcome to the always amazing and exciting Debating Metal. As has been the case for the last 82 episodes, I'm your host, Kenneth Dean, along with my co-host, Chris Kay. For our first episode of 2022, we are starting off the new year just like we finished last year, ranking albums from worst to first, and the first band for 2022 will be the mighty Metallica. With 10 studio albums, Metallica has quite the catalog of music. Today, Kenneth and I are going to rank those albums in the order we think is their weakest to their best. We won't agree on all their rankings, so that's where the debate comes in. When all is said and done, we'll have Debating Metal's version of Metallica's albums, Worst to First. Last week, we gave you ACDC, Worst to First, Debating Metal style. Download the episode to hear how we rank their albums, and while you're there, click the subscribe button, and you'll get our latest episode every time it comes out. So now, this week, we have Metallica, Worst to First. So... How are we going to do it this week? What do you want to do? You want to go first, or do you want me to go first? I'll go first since you went first last time. All right. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to list our albums in reverse order, right? Yep. Starting at our number ten on this one, and then Correct. go to number one. And sorry, and then yes. Yeah, so this this time is only ten albums. So. Uh, hopefully we won't be talking as much as we had in, in the ACDC episode. <laughs> that one ran a little bit long. But um, yeah, so go ahead. Let's hear what you have. All right. So for my number 10, I've got St. Anger. Uh, number 9, Reload. Number 8, Death Magnetic. Number 7, Hardwired to Self-Destruct. Number 6, Load. Number 5, Injustice for All. Number 4, Kill em All. Number three, Ride the Lightning. Number two, Metallica, the Black Album. And number one, Master of Puppets. Mm. It's a very similar list to mine. What did you say your number two was? Metallica. Metallica. Okay. And number three was? Ride the Lightning. Ride the Lightning. Okay. So we have some similarities. So here's my list. Uh, Number 10, St. Anger. Number nine, Load. Number eight, Death Magnetic. Number seven, Reload. Number six, Hardwired. Number five, Kill 'em All. Number four, Metallica. Number three, Ride the Lightning. Number two, And Justice for All. And number one, Master of Puppets. Okay, yes, yeah, so we definitely have some similarities. I'm I'm a little surprised at your order to some degree, um, but that's not a bad thing. It gives us a chance to debate this. Exactly. Uh, and and, and I, was, I was mentioning to you today, there was certain reasons why I put these in a certain order. And, I, and after speaking with you today, when we had that little conversation, I looked at it again. And I just kind of, I looked at it and I said, yeah, this is the way I feel about this, you know. And, and there's a reason why, you know. And as I told you, um, it was a, there was a hard line right down the middle between the first, you know, the first five and the last five and not necessarily the order of the way they came out. I'm just my first five and my, my bottom five. Gotcha. Well, what, why don't we start off with St. Anger? Because obviously we've both got that as our number 10. Um, I'd kind of like to kind of give you my, some of my thoughts on a few of these before you do, you being the bigger Metallica fan. Um, and the, the reason being is I, I think there's some insight that you have that's a little different than what maybe I do 
you know, okay. I was I was a big fan of Metallica when I was in uh, middle school, high school. Um, I never really necessarily grew out of them, but you know, it just the music changed. It didn't change with me, so I didn't I didn't have as strong of feelings to- towards them as a band. Um, but as time's gone on, I remember when you know, Death Magnetic came out, I, I kind of restored some of my interest in them as a band. Um, but you've been kind of more of a lifelong fan. So you have a little bit different perspective than I do. You are so, right. But I will say, okay, so St. Anger came out in 2003. And I remember it when it came out, I was so excited. Um, you know, they hadn't released anything in what, uh, six years at that point. I mean, they yes. had S and M, but that was that was a little different. You know, it wasn't a studio album. In, in terms um, of new music, they hadn't done anything um, since '97, so that's six years. Yeah. I mean, they had the two songs on S and M that were new, right? Um, and they had and, well, I then, disappear. I disappear. So you had you had some new music, but it wasn't fulfilling enough, I guess you could say. <laughs> yeah, and and for a band that at that point I was a huge fan of. Um, you know, it just, it was missing, you know? So I remember 2003 comes out and I mean, it, 2003 comes around They're t- They're talking about the album that they haven't released anything yet. No samples or anything like that. And, and the internet was different back then too. You couldn't just go online and find something, you know, it, it took a lot more effort. So, um, I hadn't really heard anything when this album came out. I remember rushing to the store to go pick up my copy, I throw it in my CD player, and I had been professing to all my friends, oh, this is going to be a return to form, everybody's talking about how it's more garage sounding, all this stuff, and it just was such a disappointment. Um, I wanted to like it. I listened to this probably for a, a month straight trying to like it, and I just couldn't. It was, you know, and I get it. Like in, in hindsight and you see the movie, the, some kind of monster movie where they talk about all the problems that were going on and all that stuff. In hindsight, you kind of see that and you understand a bit more, but that's, that is an apologist view of the, of the, the album. You know, the, the drum quality is terrible. The way it sounds is just really bad. You can hear on the live version, uh, which which one is it the 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 DVD or the Blu-ray that's like, what's it in France or something? That um, sounds so good. For for, um, you mean like a concert? Yeah, they did a concert that was a, a little bit after that. That was you know somewhere in Europe and I can't remember where, but oh. they had live versions and it sounded like everything. All the versions from the Saint Anger stuff sounded much better live. I don't know which one came out after it because the, the the next concert that they released was mexico city shows and those were in 2009 that those are official releases um gotcha yeah i, I, I just don't remember but. i know they released if you got the special edition of saint anger uh which was a two disc it had a I wouldn't say rehearsal. They just basically, I guess they yeah. were rehearsals. They were rehearsals inside their studio, and they were jamming the, the ten songs, and they that sounded one was completely with Robert, different, though. Yeah, yeah, that was with Robert playing, and it sounded completely different. Um, the drums sounded much better. Um, they did sound better. I remember that, and I I remember thinking, why isn't like if if they're gonna put something on the album, like why isn't a better version of this? Song? <laughs> I mean, they they moved away a lot from their initial style at this point. They were, 
you know, drifting into new metal, alt metal kind of sound. Uh, There was a lot of chaos going on. I mean, Jason Newstead had left the band. Um, They had Bob Rock playing bass as a fill-in. They had their own, you know, chemical issues going on. You know, lots lots of different things that just made this kind of a rough production and that you know as as that aspect of it as kind of like a a um you know snapshot in time it is interesting you know it has a lot going on around it but as an album i just have a hard time really giving this most of a chance it has a few songs that that are decent but for me it's it's not it's not much you know i i can totally understand where you're coming from when it comes to that because you know as as someone like yourself who was really into what they released in the 90s load reload and and even garage inc and hearing the quality of those recordings um and then you you hear this on saint anger i get it you know now, I mean, to be honest, I think Garage Inc. was my favorite release of the 90s because it it still had, the, you know, some of that garage quality to it. Right. And then and then to to, to me, that was like what I thought they were going to do with the garage sound, not what we got. <laughs> well, I you know, I don't particularly like the sound myself mm-hmm. i'm not i'm not going to sit here and and mince words about that yeah um what i do like about saint anger um are the songs in, in some cases some of the songs are bad i mean there's there's um certain things about them that well let me let me let me take that back so some what, of the songs, what songs the, the, do you like like just like, give like the highlights. truly 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 like i i like frantic okay okay I, I like Saint Anger, the concept of the song, and the the way that it's laid out. I don't mm-hmm. like the way it was recorded because you can tell that it's cut and paste. Okay. Yes, that and but, that that's a big issue that I have with the album as well is that it is very obvious how it was edited. Right, and that, and that's a problem. Okay, but the song itself, like I've heard it in concert, the song mm-hmm. itself is good song. It's not their best song, but it's something that you know you get some energy out of. I like some kind of monster. That and it song means is pretty something cool. to James too. And you, and when whenever oh, an yeah. artist is singing something, and you can get that feeling from them, where where you know there is a, an emotional tie to whatever they're they're singing, then there is something to be said for that. And and I'm I'm not just gonna make like people have made fun of Saint Anger for you know since 2003 like it's it's not a new thing to to make fun of it i'm not i'm not trying to do that i'm trying to talk legitimately about what i don't like about the album and i mean you've you've kind of brought up those points but there are some positive things about it as well yeah and and you know finishing up what i was saying before i like saint uh excuse me i like some kind of monster i like the song Mm -hmm. um when I when I think about this and I look at the, the 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 titles again, you know, "Dirty Window." They just played that um, at their at their fortieth um, anniversary concerts. They yeah. played that song. That was one of the, the one song that they played from Saint Anger. It comes across okay. I don't think it's the best song, um, but it comes across okay. "Invisible Kids," another one. 
my world. It, it's it, these are these songs are not strong per se as when you listen to the entire Metallica catalog. But what what is strong about them and, and the rest of the songs in the album are the what it it means to James. This was a deeply personal record to James. So the other song that I really really do like on this is the unnamed feeling. That freaking song strikes a chord and I really really like that song. There it that is as deep a song as you can possibly get in some cases. So I really like that song. Now, I put it at my number 10 and I, I we've heard your reasons for number 10. When you think about the overall project and you compare it to the other nine albums, it, to me, it is the weakest of those of those ten. So I put it at the number ten spot. Yeah. You know, if if the if the this, these songs were just probably a little bit more, uh, I don't want to say better produced because that's not the the situation. If if they were a little bit more fleshed out, I think there was some. You know, like I think if they would have gone into the studio, played the whole song straight through as opposed to chopping shit up, it would have come across a little bit better. You know, and, and that, that's part of the thing, we, the reason why a lot of people don't like it is just you, you can tell that the editing was just overdone. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not unlike watching a movie where you can tell where things are lacking in, in editing, etc. Where, um, you know, if you're if you're attuned to that and you you know about editing, you can catch those things very easily. Otherwise, it it just kind of like pulls you out of the the movie, you know, and and you don't know why you didn't like it. And I think that happened to a lot of people where they, you know, you can hear that it's chopped up, but you may not be able to immediately recognize that that's what the problem is. And so, right, exactly. and so it, it causes a sense of confusion where people are going, uh, well, I, I don't really like this. I can't put my finger on exactly why. So, <laughs> right. All right. So, um, so rather than beat a dead horse, <laughs> we move yeah. on to what our number nine will be. Now your number nine was reload. My number nine was load. Um, and so let, let's, let's grab a couple things here. Your number eight and my number eight was Death Magnetic. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then you go to seven, and we're going to go back to number nine, so don't worry about that. Uh, number seven, mine was Reload, yours was Hardwired, and then six was Hardwired for me and Load for you. And so what I mentioned earlier was that there's a hard line between the first five and the last five. Exactly. And it seems we both had the same idea at least. <laughs> right. And so the funny thing is, is that I, I didn't mean it as, you know, when we first, first mentioned it, I wasn't trying to talk about the first five albums per se. I was just talking about number one through five in, in our list. But in reality, that's the way it, it's going to be, has to be, will always be type of thing. I mean, unless you, you not, I don't can't say always be, but at this point, you can see the define the defining line at, at the first five albums that Metallica Power up to the Black album, and there's a distinctive line, and everything from that point forward is different. Mm-hmm. So that shows on your list. It shows on my list. Now the difference is the arrangement of the of the albums. Um, so let me let's go into your number nine, which is Load, and or excuse me, which reload. Is reload, and tell me why you put Reload 
that far down compared to where you put load at number six. Okay, so as far as reload goes, um, what I think it has going for it is its first half of the album. It has some really strong highlights. Fuel is a great way to start things off. I remember when I heard Fuel, I was like, wow, this is way better than what I liked on Load. Um, Just right off the bat. You know, then you followed it up with The Memory Remains, which was a really cool song. It has, uh, what's her name, Mary, uh, Miriam? Marianne Faithful. Marianne Faithful, um, which if you're not fil- familiar with her, she was a singer in, what, the, the 60s? You know, a very kind of meek-sounding singer. And then over time, she became kind of a more, like, she's got some, one song that's really freaking dirty. Um <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, look up some of her music over time and, um, it's pretty interesting to see how her career went. Um, she went from having a very like soft voice to a smoky voice, which is kind of what you hear in, in this song. Um, you know, and then the Unforgiven 2 is a follow up to the, the Unforgiven, which was on the Metallica album. Um, you know, they had a few others on here that are pretty good, better, better than you. I mean, we talked about we did an episode where we did kind of like the best of between load and reload. Um, and, and it made me kind of realize that I thought as a whole load had more stuff on it that was, you know, better as a whole. I think some of the songs on Reload are better, but it doesn't really kind of account for the whole thing. I think the sound is a little more um, edgy on Reload than it is on Load, where it's a little more bluesy sounding, kind of country rock. Um, but I just I had a hard time placing it exactly because I thought... I remember Load coming out, and it just sounded so clean, sounded so good. Um, it wasn't exactly my style and what I liked. Um, it was more in the direction, you know, they you know, they diverted from their direction from their first four albums with, with uh, Metallica. And then they took it even further, kind of getting that country sound into what they were doing with Load. Reload kind of brought it back in a way, but I just never connected with a lot of the songs. All right, so I I can I can completely understand that, and it's funny because I have a very similar opinion to you, except for the fact that opinion that I have similar to you applies to load <laughs> and not reload. So gotcha. I look I look at load as it's it, it, oddly enough these songs were pretty much done very close together and I don't want to say at the same time because they did go back and finish the album and uh, or or they finished reload after they did load uh, it wasn't one where they did all these you know 2700 songs and and then just waited to put them out 18 months apart no they, I mean I mean they wrote some of the stuff that appeared on reload during the load stuff but they didn't they didn't master it they didn't do anything like that. So, right, so so some of the technologies that they use made it sound a little different. I personally like the production on lo- Reload better than I do on Load. I agree. I think, it, I, I think yeah, it's a little raw and a little more in your face and a little heavier. Um, that being said, what what um, so you I the reason I put Load in my number nine spot was because at the same way you feel about Reload is that to me as a whole the songs to me didn't 
live up to the way that they lived up to it, I guess you could say, in in Reload. I I like Reload better. I like the songs. Mm -hmm. To me, there may be less better songs, but the quality of those songs to me are better. A Fuel, A Memory, Unforgiven 2, as cheesy as it may seem, it's actually a very good song. Okay, I like better than you. I like attitude. I love Low Man's lyric. Okay, you know Low Man's lyric. You can you know cross it out in comparison to Mama said on the on on load. You know the two ballads. Boom. Okay, they 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 cross each other out. Which one's better? I don't know. Mama said's a pretty deep song. Okay, very very deep and personal for James. Low Man's lyric. It, it's it, James takes the 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 persona of somebody and he he you know takes a deep one there but it's i don't think it's necessarily personal you know so for me i chose load to be the lesser of the two albums so that's why i put it in number nine so now the question is what do we put at number nine although we both have death magnetic as number eight it's true i don't think so here's the thing i don't think death magnetic is worse or is necessarily better than load here here's the thing about this i'm trying to view this very objectively Mm -hmm. you know and there's a lot of facets of why an album is ranked where it is you know and it's not just my personal opinion like which one i like the best it's some of the factors like um death magnetic is kind of a return to form after a lot of problems you know um Mm -hmm. you know they went through losing members and almost breaking up and and you know a change in styles and all this thing where when death magnetic came out it was it was a big album you know and and people took note of it because it was like oh wow metallica's kind of back you know so mm-hmm. there there's a facet to it where i think that's that's kind of important hardwired the same kind of thing where after 8 years people you know it's kind of stop paying attention. And I'm not talking about diehard Metallica fans. I'm talking about the other people that are not necessarily as big a fans. Like if you're not in the, if you're not in the, the spotlight, sometimes you're not there at all. So, you know, hardwired comes out and it's got, you know, really good songs on it. They released 12 music videos. It's, I mean, it's a, it's a great album. Um, is it as impactful as some of the stuff that we're going to talk about as one through five? Not at all, but, um, I think it's 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 huge in that to me, you know, you release load and then you release reload. Reload is almost almost like a to me it's almost like a cop out name. You know? We oh we did this album, we're gonna do more of the same album. You know, it's 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 almost like and I'm not saying it's a bad album by any means, but it's like, you know, it's just doing more of the same. You know, whereas you're taking eight years. You're writing a, another new album, and it's and it sounds different. And it, and it they kind of fix some of the mistakes they've had with production with Death Magnetic. I think that's a big deal. So these these four albums are kind of difficult to place in a way. Yeah, I I see where you're getting at, and that's what all the things that you said about Hardwired are is the reason why I put it at number six. It's the first one after the classic five if you want to put it that way mm-hmm. um and you know to me it's the best production since since reload okay um 
group of songs wise, it's got 12 songs and I think six of them are super solid. You know, like they're really, really good songs. That's I mean, my biggest problem with Hardwired is that I think it is too long of an album. And I don't mean lengthwise as far as like the, the runtime. I think some of the songs are not as strong as others. Whereas, you know, you've got other albums in their early catalog where I can listen to the whole thing straight through. Whereas I don't feel 100% that way about Hardwired. No, and, I, and I get that. You know, I, I, I can see that. There's, to me, there's a lull in the second disc. Agreed. I, you know, Agreed. Right, I get that. But, you know, I look at a song like Hardwired is, is great. Atlas Rise is amazing. Mm-hmm. Moth into Flame. Uh, as soon as I heard it, it instantly became a top five song for me. I mean, uh, I now like, that we're dead is really good. Spit out the now bone. Now that we're dead is great. Spit out the bone is good. I mean, and then, you know, Here Comes Revenge. That's a pretty cool song. I love Halo on Fire. I mean, I just right up there with all the other ballad type songs that they do. That song is awesome. So they, to me, they've got that the, the strength of those songs, the strength of the production, is the reason why I put it at number six. You have it at number seven. So I, I, I that's close. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the question then becomes, you know, is Death Magnetic better than that one? No. Okay. So that has to go below. Hardwired. Whether we put hardwired at six or seven, okay. The um, real debate we have here is is between load and reload. Is it's between load and reload. So the question then becomes do we want to drop death magnetic down to nine? Or do we want to keep one of the load or reloads in that in that nine spot? I think to me, I think Death Magnetic is a is a stronger album than Reload, in my opinion. Uh, which is why I put it where it is. Um, it's it's not just because obviously it has the compression issues. Obviously, um, you know it has some aspects like that where not every song is is great, but but I think it has more good songs, in my opinion, than Reload. So that's that's the difficulty. See, and for me, that that that's weird. I mean, I. I like all the songs, you know, like it's only got 10 songs, so that's pretty good, right? Mm-hmm. Um, out of the 10 songs, I'm not a big fan of Suicide or Redemption. I'm not a big fan of Metallic's instrumentals. For whatever reason, I've never been a big fan of their songs. Orion has been the one song that I've really, really been able to kind of grasp and hold on to. And a lot of it has to do with the whole Cliff Burton situation, but I also love the fact that uh, that bass solo that starts after it goes quiet is pretty cool. Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, and I, I'm very familiar with all of them, you know, Call of Cthulhu, you know, Suicide of Redemption, and then um, To Live is to Die on Justice. They didn't do one on the Black Album, they didn't do one on Reload or Load. So, you know, it, it's, it's one of these things where it, 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 they were trying to recreate what they had done in the past. And I don't know necessarily if it was recreate or uh, continue into the, into that type of legacy. I th- I think to some degree that is the case, but I I also think like this is the first album where they credit you know all four members of the band. This is this is a change in their attitude when they got Robert in that band. He has he has done wonders for the attitude of all four members. You know, he, yeah. he is, he is a 
true replacement to Cliff, and that is no slight to Jason, but, and I don't mean he's a musical replacement for Cliff, but what I mean is Cliff dying affected them in the worst way. You know, he was a, mm-hmm. a huge influence on their, their writing style. He was a friend to all of them, including guys that, that had left the band. You know, he when when he died, it really hurt Dave when and I mean, Dave Mustaine, um, you know, he was friends with everybody and he was just one of those guys. And for him to be gone was detrimental to them. And when I think there's a sound on Death Magnetic that and, and I just remember hearing them talk at the time and everything, they were having fun again, you know, and I think that's something that they hadn't had in a long time. Oh, absolutely. So I mean, Rick Rubin, you know, as much as people criticize Rick Rubin's style of producing, um, it, it, it is he is not a knob twister. And he's mentioned that a, a bunch of times, you know, mm-hmm. he's a couch hugger <laughs> or a couch potato, however you want to look at that. Right. He is there to to hear what the, what the, what the artists are doing. He's there to to give them a, an independent ear and guide them in a way to put out the best possible piece of work that they can. Mm-hmm. Um, was that the case with Metallica? I wouldn't say it's the best work that they could have done, but it was very good in comparison to what they did with St. Anger. Um, so, yes, it has a lot of issues with compression, and that was basically Metallica's way of trying to combat piracy and downloads um it just didn't work because then when they put out the music on rock band and and uh, uh what's the other one uh, guitar hero it all all that shit went out the window because everybody had the tracks so it, was and crazy. it sounded better on the oh on yeah the and it, sound, it sounded because it wasn't compressed yeah you know it wasn't compressed to combat the downloading of the cd so it was just really weird um the songs to me i mean certain songs eh, you know, I like the songs, but to me, are they great songs? Mm, I That's questionable. Are they very good songs? Yes. I do like The Day That Never Comes. I think that f- that holds its, its own amongst the other ballad-type songs that they put out. Is it the strongest? No, it's probably... It probably falls behind... Probably the worst, I guess, if you could say, of the... I guess there's five of those types of ballads. I'll yeah, it it's, like, it's we're the worst about, of the ballads to me, too. Yeah, we're talking about Fade to Black, Welcome Home Sanitarium, One, uh, Halo on Fire, and and The Day That Never Comes. So Halo turned, goes to number four for me. I mean, I would put but Hero of the Day on that same spectrum. <sighs> Are you serious? Uh-huh. <laughs> Because I hate that song. So do I. <laughs> you know, it was funny because uh, Matt was telling me, you guys left off on the on the, on your reloaded thing. You left off Hero of the Day. I'm like, we did that on purpose. It was bad. Because neither one of us liked the song. <laughs> so, I'm telling you, Matt needs like, to be on an episode. So and, and, and he was yelling at me in the car. He's like, hey, because I would have I went all out on you guys. You know, <laughs> I would have been calling you guys out. I'm like, well, then you need to come down here or, or you know, log in one day. But... It was it was funny. That's it was funny. a good conversation. All right, so here's here's my suggestion. We're talking about this, and the more I think about it, the issues with the compression, those kind of things, are a big deal, you know. And a lot of people were turned off by the sound of the album. Um, you have pretty strong feelings about Reload, and I have some 
not necessarily strong feelings, but I do feel like Load is a better album than Death Magnetic. So maybe for that reason alone, we should put Death Death Magnetic at nine. Because obviously we, we both think that one of those two albums is better than Death Magnetic. And then we just need to figure out what the order is that we have Load, Reload, and Hardwired. So if, if we're negotiating here, mm-hmm. <laughs> if we're negotiating and we're going to drop Death Magnetic to number nine, then I'd like to keep Hardwired at six and we could figure out where Load and Reload go underneath that. What do you think? I'm okay with that because me personally, I like Hardwired better than Load and Reload. I th- But I like, again, was thinking about a lot of aspects other than just my personal tastes. So... I'm okay with that. I think putting hardwired at number six is fine. Okay. So so we have St. Anger at 10, and we have Death Magnetic at number nine. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then we have to figure out a place to place reload and load. Um, I'll go ahead and give you load at number seven, and I'll, I'll, I'll accept reload at number eight. Reason being is I looked at you know looked at the songs again and I can see your point to some degree about you know the strength of songs compared to uh, the amount of songs. I think so, it's just load you can listen through more consistently than reload. It's like it hits you with all the real good stuff right at the beginning and kind of fizzles out. You know and and I think that's that's the problem and and I I I'm not saying like you you're you you're not valid in saying that some of the songs that are later are are not good it's just i think its strongest material is just right there packed at the beginning and it, no, i i i understand that because it even shows with their singles you know right as as strong as low man's lyric is attitude which you know comes after is still not is not the best song it's 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 just a fun to me attitude's a fun song yeah but you got to get through Slither. You got to get through Carpe Diem, Baby, Bad Seed, right. Where the Wild Things Are. You know. Well, what's funny that you say that is that today I was listening to one of the thirtieth anniversary shows. It was the first night, mm-hmm. and they played Carpe Diem on the, uh, Baby on, the, on that episode or that that first show. And then on this fortieth anniversary show, they played Fixer. So it's pretty interesting that that those two songs came up both off of uh, Reload. But okay, so we're at. Number 10 for St. Anger, number 9, Death Magnetic, number 8 is Reload, number 7 is Load, and number 6 is Hardwired. I think we're good there. I'm good with that. So now, we got the top 5, and at number 5, you put Justice, and I put Kill 'Em All. And then number four, you put Kill 'Em All, and I put the Metallic album. So why don't we talk about Kill 'Em All since that's the closest that we have here? Yes, Kill 'Em All. Uh, t- tell me what you what what your opinion is or, or what your thoughts are on Kill 'Em All. Um, so Kill 'Em All was probably I want to say the third Metallica album I ever heard. Um, it may have been the fourth. It's it's hard to remember at this point, but. Um, I remember hearing it and thinking, wow, this is, you know, this is them when they first started, you know, obviously it's their debut album and that's just exactly the case, but you have to think about it. Like I came in much later, I was born in 86, so I didn't hear a lot of this stuff until the nineties. Um, when I, when I heard them, 
you know, there's a pretty drastic difference between Ride the Lightning and and Kill 'Em All. You know, the the maturity level within that one year is pretty drastic. Um, I think all the guys had learned quite a bit from Cliff. You know, in in songwriting, in a little bit of music theory, because he is a classically trained musician. He understood a little bit more than these other guys. You know, you can hear it in the songs like Motor Breath and, uh, you know, some of the early, early stuff that that James wrote with with Lars kind of before everybody else joined the band. Um, but what is really great about this album is how hungry they sound, how raw it sounds. You know, you think you put yourself in the f- in the shoes of the band when they were that age and it's just like you can relate to it on that level. Um, you know, it has way better production than the other bands that were were around the same time. You know, Slayer took what three albums to to have a decent sounding album. Um, Anthrax, you know, same thing. It's the second album sounded pretty good, but the third album I believe was where they really started sounding great. Um, you know, it, it Metallica started off sounding great. You know, these these yeah, there, there's such a there's a big disparity in the sound between the other three and mm-hmm. even you know like two years later you know with Mustaine coming out with Killing Is My Business and they, it was two years after the fact. With with whatever quote unquote technologies are come out, that album sounds like ass. Yeah, <laughs> compared to it's the worst sounding of the four. Yeah, and you know? well, I don't know about that because because <laughs> those first two Slayer albums are pretty bad. They were produced really badly, um, but I still think the, the in terms of sound and in quality of sound, uh-huh. they're slightly above to me. Slightly above. Eh, it could be. Uh, it's debatable. But um, well, then again, Anthrax's was pretty, pretty. Oh flat yeah, that one too. sounded real flat. Um, but regardless, the point is there. There's a lot to be said about you know this as a debut album. Um, you know, this the highlights to me are most of the songs. Hit the lights, Four Horsemen, Jump in the Fire, Anesthesia, Whiplash, Phantom Lord, Seek and Destroy. I mean, Seek and Destroy is a classic. I mean, the Four Horsemen's great. Jump in the Fire is one of the songs that's just always in my head. Um, you know, Anesthesia showed how Cliff played differently than other bass players. You know, there mm-hmm. you you may not really enjoy their instrumentals, but like there's something we said for it because it's it's such a a unique piece. No, and the funny thing that to me is, is I I don't put that on the same level as the other instrumentals. Mm-hmm. One because it's 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 short because but it's a two parter to me because there's just there's the part where it's just Cliff playing and just as to hear what he does to me is a, is amazing mm-hmm. that 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 to, that to me is a, a bass solo that is then fleshed out into a little bit more and you add the drums whereas the other instrumentals are full blown compositions with the whole band. Yeah. So I, I, I put that in a different category. It is an instrumental. It does technically belong in the instrumental category, but it's, but it's not different. the same as yeah. the other ones. Yeah, it's much different. So I, I love that song. When I look at this more and I think about it, it I, I think I ranked Kill 'em All a little higher than I probably should have because of the impact that it had on me and how I feel about it. Um I think that there was something magical 
about those songs when they were first starting things off and they all wanted to become successful um you know whatever their relationship with dave mustaine is they wrote some great stuff with him you know and and that even carried over into ride the lightning so that you know he he had a really big influence on them that would carry over into his career you know so there there is some something about that where there's some animosity there's some you know hungriness there's you know all those aspects of being young and trying to be successful that make this really powerful album you you admitted to something where you said you may you may have ranked it a little bit higher than it should have mm-hmm. and i look at it this way the reason why i ranked it number 5 compared to the other four is for the exact reason of what it is. It is their debut. It, it, it showed an immediate impact. I mean, everybody who heard it heard, said, wow, amazing. Mm-hmm. This band is special. Okay. But each subsequent album after that showed how special they were. The maturity to get to ride the lightning and then, then, to get to Master of Puppets, it was just like they put it all together at that point. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, you know, with Cliff passing away, things changed dramatically. And so then Justice comes out and it's like you could tell who was in charge <laughs> when Justice came out. But you could tell that there was something. This is the first time that they're writing without Cliff. And you could see the shift in, in dynamics in the band and the shift in how that they were going to now put music out from this forward, this point forward. And then of course, then there's the black album where it, it, it just becomes their, it is their masterpiece. Although I don't necessarily think it's their best album as evidenced by the fact that I put it lower. So I, that's the reason why I put kill them all at number five. And I think, I think kill them all leads its way is the opening the gate at where the other four have to go through? I, I and I think I agree with you. Um, you know, I'm I'm fine with putting it at, at number five. Um, there are obviously albums that have a bigger impact, and I think there's there's something. And let's talk about. I think let's talk about justice next, um, mm-hmm. because of the reason why I put it at number five. Um, okay, so. Let's go ahead and put Kill 'em All at number five. Got it. And let me just kind of go over Justice, I guess. So Justice sure. is a huge album. Eight times platinum. You know, it's the last of the three that, that were produced by Fleming Rasmussen, which are realistically my favorite three albums. I think, you know, that that relationship that they had, the direction that they were going, everything that they were doing while Cliff was still alive, I think was was great this album is obviously the exception because he had passed away um but there was his shadow still there um you know one thing that i will always have an issue with with that uh, this album and i think a lot of people do is the complete and utter lack of bass guitar you know technically this is the first album with jason but he's not there you know um Mm -hmm. it started with a rib on him you know trying to you know you know, put him through the, the, the ringer, you know, they had lots of issues bringing in a new bass guitarist because Cliff was so important to them. I think everybody that's a Metallica fan knows all these stories, right? So no need to really super rehash it, but 
it it is an issue and when you've heard versions of these songs that have the bass track on them or a simulated bass track on them in some instances it's like man this album could have been even that much better because that's that's always a pall that will be cast on this album is that that little bit of stupidity on their end um they did create an album that is amazing and the songs are so good um i would say pretty much everything from beginning to end is really enjoyable blackened and justice for all eye of the beholder one one is such a huge song i mean it, it had a music video it wasn't it uh, in, uh uh, Grammy Award winner? Am I wrong on that one? It it won the Grammy in the second year. In it second lost year. to it, it lost to Jethro Tull in 1989. Okay, and then the song for some reason was still popular, so they it was put in again, and it won. And it won that year. The, okay, you know, sort of, kind of more out of oh, we screwed up the first time, so we're going to give it to you the second time. <laughs> gotcha. But then they, they then they think they won three in a row, and so they, because it was just like you know, then yeah, the yeah, Black Album came out. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, to me, this album has some of the best lyrical content of any Metallica album. They had they had kind of shifted more, you know, some of the early stuff was more, you know, violence and and, you know, metaphysical stuff in a way, whereas this was more real world issues. And it was cohesive. Mm-hmm. It was it was a lot of st- thoughts about the world as it is, and it, it all still applies. So I think this particular album is one that kind of resonates at any time because there's always these issues, always these social problems going on, and so 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 I'm laughing because you're really hyping this album up, but you had it at number five. <laughs> no, it's true, but because of the base issue. I think it's always been a huge issue and the other albums to me sound better, you know, ride the lightning. Mm-hmm. I enjoy a lot more. I think if, if justice had that bass track on it, it would be a better album. I hear you on that one. And so that's, so that's one of the things and, and, and you and I uh, expressed some of this stuff on the, on the ACDC episode, you, or as the reasons why you put things in a certain place, mm-hmm. you you encompass everything from production to the players on the album to when it comes out, how it know, affects when it comes people. out, how it's sold, yep. you know, how many is sold. So I, I I get that. I look at this one specifically with Justice. I kind of throw out the whole basting out the window because it succeeded despite the fact that it had a shitty bass sound. Yeah. No, it's true. It just you know, it mean, just could be so much more. Oh no, of course. You know, the question is if the bass is on there, does it sell another million copies? Do people really care? You know, that that's that's where it's I mean, it's already sold six million. So you're telling me it's gonna sell seven million, not you per se. But you know, I don't think so. I don't think it, it changes the sales figures that dramatically if the bass is on there. And, I but think like it's more a, like palatable. I said, sales figures only matter so much to me because mm-hmm. obviously hardwired has sold far less than uh reload or even load but i you know i tend right. to enjoy it a lot more right so, and, and, and it's also be- the, the the time in which it came out i know that's I, what i'm saying sales figures right. only matter so much 
Right. So, but at the at the time that Justice came out, and the time that the Black Album came out and Ryan and all that, those sales figures meant something. There wasn't anything that was in the way to sit there and say, "Oh, you know, there's something that is that is uh, shifting or skewing the the sales figures." So it was a, it was an innocent time, if you want to put it that way. No, I agree. So 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 let's think about this. So you've got Injustice for All as your number two. My number two. You've got Metallica as your number four. Right. So 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 here's 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 why I put Justice number two and and, and my my thing with Justice was I, I I was trying to look at the impact of the album. That was the real big thing for me, and it's funny because Metallica obviously the Black album. And when I so when we refer to Metallica as the album, that's the name of the album. It's yeah. Metallica for people who don't recognize that. Um, but we'll refer to it as the Black Album from here on in to kind of make it that's simple. Fine. Yeah. Um, when the the Black Album came out, it is hugely, immensely impactful. Okay, but I'm also looking at the the fact that yet as is as impactful as it may have been it was a, it was a different audience that it was playing for yes it was playing for the metallica fan but if you listen to it the 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 diehard metallica fan was like whoa hold on a second this is different you know or or let me not even say the diehard cuz the diehard's going to love it it's the it's the it's the the metal fan that's going to sit there and say, "Wait a second, I like Metallica this way. Why is it different?" The diehards, you know, you, you're never going to lose those. Yeah, but so, we're also looking at this in hindsight, and now the Metallica fan base is drastically different than what it oh, was yeah, in exactly. say 88, exactly. 91. You know, but the reason why I had Justice higher than the Black album, uh, and it was it was a it was a toss up between Justice and Ride, was because of of what it it took to do justice in comparison to what it took to get to the metallic album if you understand that you know the death of cliff burton a new bass player you basically um they tried a different production team and had to go back to fleming there was lots of different things that just kind of these obstacles to to come with or to come together to make this album, it was so many things in the way. So to get to to the finish line, it was was a feat in and of itself. But I mean, realistically, to some degree, that that continued up until until Saint Anger. I mean, until after Saint Anger, because it wasn't until two thousand three that they actually dealt with their issues. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, no, exactly. So I get and what yeah, you're I, saying, but also I would say. Metallica had a much bigger impact on their overall career than, or the Black Album had a much bigger impact on their career than than Justice did. Okay, I I, I get I get what you're saying, so I I, I understand that argument. So I that look, being I the think case. Justice is a better album in my opinion, but that's distinctly my opinion. Twice well, the amount I, of people have bought. Metallica than, than Justice for All. No, it was more than twice. 16-time platinum versus 8-time platinum. Oh, in the U.S. In the U.S. I'm in talking US. specifically U.S. sales yeah. on this. Because, I mean, I, we could go into all the other 
country sales uh, and that would be interesting but i i don't have the time to figure all that <laughs> i just don't you know no i i totally said it. so and like i said i had between ride the lightning and justice i had that they were so close razor thin margin and for for a variety of different reasons so if what you're telling me is that you want to see justice at number four it doesn't necessarily have to be, but I, I think we still have more to discuss here. Well, yeah, we definitely have more to discuss. I, I, I believe if, if you're looking at that in that range, I can see that. So from, so since we have more to discuss, because obviously the number one we don't have to discuss in depth. Yeah. So the question is where are we putting four, three, and two? So um, Ride the Lightning. Let's talk about Ride the Lightning. For me... Ride the Lightning was the first Metallica album that I owned. Um, it scared the shit out of me when I dropped the needle and that nice, quiet, peaceful, acoustic guitar sound started. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it ripped my face off. <laughs> you know, I was like, holy crap. Fight Fire with Fire just blew me away. It scared the shit out of me, literally. I was like, holy crap, what is this? And then I just absorbed the whole album, the whole experience. I was transformed. I mean, I went from being someone who liked Kisses the Elder, <laughs> okay, and I'm an apologist for that album, <laughs> all right, to, to all of a sudden, this is what's hitting me. I mean, yeah, I, I was a big Kiss uh, Creatures of the Night fan, Lick It Up and all that, but man, this was just amazing, incredible. Um, so... Ride the Lightning had a, has a tremendous impact for me, but I also am able to step back and say, okay, let's look at the songs, let's look at the production, let's look at the overall thing. I mean, there's there you look at Ride the Lightning and Master Puppets, they're like brother sister albums, they're they're siblings, same structure, you know, almost the same type of layout as as the other. They just flipped a couple songs in terms of instrumental versus speedy speedy final song um there's a there's a lot to i mean the maturity level like you mentioned earlier the it's maturity level different you know went like, you know went sky now so i've said this statement before and i'll say it again ride the lightning god how, how do i say this um metallica changed from a thrash band to a heavy metal band with Ride the Lightning. They had thrash elements. But for those about... Uh, for those about the... For those... For those... <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> for Whom the Bell Tolls is not a thrash song. Fade to Black, not a thrash song. Escape, not a thrash song. You can't even quali qualify Escape as anything. <laughs> well, right, but you know... Creep, you no, know, you're, uh, you're right. It, they're not a hundred percent thrash here, but I would say for the majority of what they're playing, you know, for these next two albums, for Red the Lightning and Master Puppets, it's, they're still a thrash band. You know, they're not, but they're they're not as easily defined as a thrash band as say Exodus 
You know? No, exactly. And, that, and that's the reason why. So you could tell there was a difference in this band. That's why they went from being a pure thrash band to being a heavy metal band. And the hardest of the heavy metal bands, but they were a heavy metal band. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, and, you know, and if I, th- I think if Cliff had continued on, you know, if he hadn't passed away, I think they would have had the some of that more melodic, classically influenced stuff. I think they would have maybe continued in the thrash vein for a while longer, but I don't think they would have been strictly a thrash band like some people tend to think because he was a huge influence. Obviously, the difference between Kill 'Em All and Ride the Lightning, a lot of that is Cliff. So, yes. So I think they would have continued on maybe more in the vein of what they were doing with those two albums, but who's to say, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't see even with cliff, I don't see justice changing much. No, probably not, but maybe being a little bit more melodic, a little bit more melodic, a little bit less, um, chopped up with a thousand different riffs. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, but that, that but, is one thing I do really like about justice though, is it does have about 4 billion riffs in it. They're all good. <laughs> well, that's the thing. They're all good. Yeah. You see, it, there's a difference between that and then throwing in, uh, you know, a bunch of riffs and they're not that good. You put good riffs and they structured them correctly. I guess you could say, you know, or they, they arranged them properly. It's a unique the, album in that way. Oh yeah. Exactly. There's really nothing to compare it to where there's that many riffs going on. It almost has an element of, you know, if you listen to a lot of classical music, you know, it has, um, what's, what's the terms for like the, um, the different parts of, of a classical piece where it goes into, you know, this is the first part where it has a certain, Rhythm going on movement. There you go. It almost feels like it has movements in, 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 in justice for all, which does kind of lead me towards ranking it maybe a little higher. Um, which is why I didn't want to just place it right at number four, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so going back to ride the lightning, ride the lightning to me is an album that I can listen to from beginning to end and not skip. I, I even like Escape. Like, I don't hate Escape like James does, you know, it, but I was also a teenager when I heard it, you know, so it doesn't it doesn't bother me. Um, but it's this is obviously the, the beginning of Metallica's evolution, kind of like what you said, where it's not strictly a thrash album. It's got some really good, um, you know, mixture of different writing styles on here because you've got everything from stuff that was written by the first incarnation of the band. Um, cause you've still got some stuff that's left over from when Dave was in there. And then you've got this new influence of cliff and you've got some stuff written by Kirk. So there's a lot going on. Um, one thing that I think is really interesting is it is tuned very oddly. And you know why? No. Cause they tuned to an out of tune piano. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like it's like half a step down i believe from where it should be or maybe it's half a step up i can't remember but if you listen to it a lot of guitar aficionados they don't like playing the ride the lightning stuff sometimes because it, you do have to tune the guitars slightly differently you know i can i can see that the clearest with the song ride the lightning ride the lightning is a weird song Yes. And, the, and when they play it live, it sounds off every time. The, it, the, it's a song that I've always really loved. 
and I couldn't quite put my finger on why it sounded so weird. Mm-hmm. But yeah, apparently that's the thing is everything is tuned a little bit off. I, th- I think, I mean, I think other songs are okay, you know, but the, the Ride the Lightning specifically, the song is, is really off to me. And I've always noticed that. I'm like, why does this live version sound so different? Why does this, you know, it sounds almost, you know, going to, you know, how dissonant Alice in Chains is. There's something dissonant about that song. Mm-hmm. So, but I get you. All right. So, <sighs> number four. You, well, you, let's, you, let's talk you may, before we make that call. Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and talk about Metallica or the Black Album. The Black Album. Okay. Let's so do the Black Album. Because we know, we know what's going in number one. We just have to decide where we truly feel two through four are. And okay. the only one we haven't talked about is the Black Album. All right. Um, the Black Album. So here's my take on this Black Album. I've, I've watched the videos when, when a year and a half in the, uh, in the life of Metallica came out. I, I bought it the day it came out. We had a watch party at my house. A couple guys came over. We checked it out. It's, it's so much more than what people understand uh, as to the reason why it is what it is. Metallica made a conscious effort to, to go as fast and, and as far to one side when they made justice that all they could do was literally boomerang back in the other direction. Okay. They felt like the underdog. They felt like they had no respect within the community. They felt like people didn't appreciate their musicianship. So in order for them to do that, uh, to, to feel like they get, they had, they gained respect or get that respect. They went out there and played a thousand different riffs in one album, they did the the song that they thought was the most progressive. It was, I think, the word that he uses with um, Dyer's Eve. They 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 the the subject matter was so dark and dim, and they just went out of their way to make something that was so, for lack of a better term, obnoxious in some cases, because it was filled with so many different riffs because it was uh, the way it was and then produced it the way it was. So when they ca- when they got to the Metallica album, the Black album, they said, all right, you know what? We need a producer. Boom. They ended up with Bob Rock. We need to slow things down. We need to groove more. We need to, you know, find the pocket more with songs. We can't be doing a thousand riffs every song. So let's just do one riff, Enter Sandman. You know, so that album, when I first heard it, yeah, I was in shock. I was like, holy shit, Enter Sandman is heavy, but it's different. It's just got one groove. It grooves. That song grooves. You know, not like Cowboys from Hell, but hell, it grooves too, you know. Um, And then the rest of the album, you know, heavy, Sabbath True is heavy. Holier Than Thou is heavy. Through the Never is heavy. People may say, well, it doesn't have double bass. Double bass doesn't define heaviness. 
No, it doesn't. I mean, we've you know? talked about it with Pantera. Right. You know, those albums are so heavy, but they're heavy for a different reason. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and then Metallica comes out with the Unforgiven. Nothing else matters. So, you know, it, it's that album. Uh, I mean, they're celebrating the 30th anniversary of that album this year, or they celebrated the 30th anniversary of that album. They put out this blacklist where they got all these artists from all over the world to put together their thoughts and ideas as to how these songs m moved them, what they meant to them, and then record it in the way that you feel is the best way to, to interpret the song. Some songs are good. Some songs are like, whoa. But yeah, as you know a whole, I wasn't a fan, but it's a still a cool concept. Right. I mean, because you think about it, they didn't, they didn't call, they didn't go into the metal community and said, hey, give us your version, because that's been done a thousand times. Okay. You can find death metal bands. You can find black metal bands. You can find melodic death metal bands. You can find metalcore bands. You can find hardcore bands. All have done a Metallica black album of tribute of some sort, even electronic German music has done some sort of industrial has some done, done some sort of tribute. So the fact that they asked people who are not from their genre and these people were totally impacted by the black album makes you understand the appeal makes you understand why in the United States it's sold 16 million records and worldwide it's over 25. The Black Album is different in in so many different ways. I still don't think it's, to me personally, I still don't think, like as a whole, I enjoy it near as much as some of the others. Oh, no, 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 of, of course. There's, in, in, the, in your enjoyment, and my enjoyment of the album is different because we enjoy the style of music that we enjoy yeah. differently than say, you know, we, we don't, we're not Taylor Swift fans, but we're Metallica fans. No, but, but okay. So I can appreciate a good song no matter what genre it is. Um, like I can, yes, can I, I? And it doesn't have to be like even a pop song. I can recognize, okay, this is these are the qualifications. This is why people would think this is a good song. Um, as far as that goes, I just I don't feel like every song on the Black Album is great. I think they're they're good. I don't think there's anything that goes below good, but like I think there are some really instant classics. I mean, obviously, Inner Sandman, Sad But True, uh, The Unforgiven, Wherever I May Roam, and then, like, Nothing Else Matters. I, I totally get it. But as a whole, sometimes I just don't... Like, it just doesn't impact me in the, in the same way that it impacts a lot of people. I mean, oh, no, I, and I, I get that, because The God That Failed or My Friend of Misery or, or Don't Tread On Me doesn't necessarily affect you the same way as it may yeah. affect me or affect the guy next to you. I get that. You know, are they strong songs? They're strong in their own right, but are they strong Metallica songs? Probably not as strong as others. Yeah. And I, I think that is, that's a good way to put it too, is uh, your view of Metallica is also, you know, a factor in this too. And I don't mean you specifically, but like ev everyone's view of Metallica mm -hmm. because exactly. there are fans that are only fans of this album. 
you know? Right. Exactly. So to me, I, I think if, if I'm going to place it somewhere based on what we've just discussed, you know, um, it being a, more of a hard rock album, it, it's kind of a dramatic shift. It's really more just appealing to the masses in a way. Um, I'm kind of leaning towards where you had it at number four. You know, it, it's it's one of those that, yes, it has a huge impact and it has really altered the, the placement of, of, you know, where they are as a band. But you're right, you know, the, that Injustice for All was probably a harder album to make. And it's great from beginning to end. You know, my issue with the production, it's a small one. You know, but I think it had to be talked about. Um, mm, yeah, I think I, agree. I think Ride the Lightning is is so impactful because one, it was, you know, it it kind of changed their fate in a way. You know, um, they were a thrash band essentially, and then they became a more diverse band. They matured a lot. The songwriting is amazing on here, and they're what they're late teens early 20s something early like that 20s. Early, early 20s, 20s. i mean for a metal album and we are talking about metal i think it's more important um obviously master puppets we're going to get to it's even more important in the in the metal scope of things um so yeah so from, i'm f- yeah from so i'm sorry go ahead and finish your thought no, I was just going to say, I think I'm kind of leaning towards putting it at number four like you had it. Right. And and if now that we've talked about it, you, you see kind of where I was going with it. when Because it was like the first thing I did was when I put this list together, the first list I had was Master Puppets and then Metallica Black Album number two. And I really sat and thought about it. And I'm like, is it really, you know, as far as best albums, worst to first? Mm-hmm. Right? Is it really sitting in that number two spot? And that's why I moved it down. So let's go ahead and put it at number four. Okay. So with it at number four, that leaves us with Ride the Lightning and Justice for All. Now, we talked about Ride and we talked about Justice, and you had Ride above Justice, and I had Ride just below Justice. Like I said, it was a razor thin margin, and I have no problem moving Ride up to number two. Uh, in in agreement with how you you were describing it, and 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 justice because of the issues that it has being down to number three. I think in in that respect, justice has to go a little bit lower than than ride the lightning. Um, I do give it its merits of you know it has all these ideas. It was them trying to prove something, um, but there's there's something magical about the way ride came out and how it it was i won't say effortless by any means because obviously they they did put a lot of effort into it but there was something different about it where you know they had all the pieces clicking together you know they had they had Mm -hmm. cliff coming into the band and bringing his influence and they're all learning they're all growing you can see this massive evolution from their first album to their second album um you know there's still pieces of all the early stuff in there as well as you can see this 
this massive development that would even even further culminate in master of puppets um i think justice has its issues it has you know obviously the sound issues but i'm not going to harp on that anymore it has issues with them dealing with the or probably not dealing with a lot of their personal stuff going on um you know focusing it in a different direction i just don't think it has some of the elements like they were just trying too many things to make it fit a mold of like hey we're trying to prove something and it it works and it's a great album but i don't think it doesn't feel as effortless it feels like it's trying to prove something at times right right i agree with you on that okay so basically we've put it into an order so let's talk about our number one album and why we both had it at number one okay yeah why don't you you why don't you talk about it first because you you know you were more there during that scene i was (laughs) i was just a little baby (laughs) you were just born (laughs) um i was uh when this album came out i was 17 years old um it is it came out in 86 um it literally came out three days after my birthday. So I had just turned 17. Um, this album is, is the, def- it's hard to say it's the defining moment of Metallica, but you, you, you had this, this style, the structure that was, that was created by ride the lightning. You've got the title track second, you have this speedy song first. So you have a speedy song first. You have the title track second. Then you have a a plotter third. Now, after that comes a quote-unquote ballad, a heavy metal ballad um, or, or a thrash ballad because it goes from being soft and quiet into this full-fleshed, you know, thrashy kind of song at the end. Um, and then you go to side two, same thing. First song on side two starts off as a thrashy song, you know, then it goes to a slower song and then they have an instrumental, like on master, they, they flipped it. They flipped the script and put the instrumental third as opposed to last. There's, there's a lot of similarities between the two albums, Would you put you, if so, if you, if we thought the right aligning was a step up in maturity from Kill 'Em All. Master of Puppets was a step, uh, a staircase ahead of Ride the Lightning in terms of maturity. Um, and oh yeah, it's it's it, a it, huge jump forward, even from Ride the Lightning. Yeah, and you know, when it comes to topics of songs, it, it was there was more life that has got had gotten lived in the in the past two years that they were on tour so there's more to talk about specifically master of puppets the song you know other things that came along and so for me when i dropped the needle and i heard battery i wasn't as scared because now i was expecting this quiet intro (laughs) and then getting something and it, it and it pleased me I was like, yes, you know, when, when they came in with those chords, I was like, yes, you know, and it was so bombastic and it was so there. And then when it goes into just all out thrash, 
I was like, yes. And then you get to Master of Puppets, and and it's like that that is that is the epic. That is the opus, and it is just amazing. You know, and they got so you know a little side note here. They got a lot of you know uh, uh, a lot of kickback, I guess you could say, from the fans when during the the Master Terrium tour in the two thousands where they cut the song after the 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 the, the, um, the part where it breaks down to the the laughter, you know, where where they go into that quiet part. They would stop the song there and go into something else or do a medley. And they got a lot of heat from fans because like, hey, you're taking one of the best parts of the songs and you're throwing it away. So it, it tells you how much fans really love this song. I mean, I, I could talk all day about this album and I don't want to because we have a limited amount of time to, to really make everyone enjoy this. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh. let me let me say this. So uh-huh. I've been talking about what I view as highlights all the way through, right? Mm-hmm. And I, for me, the highlights of this album are every song. Battery, Master Puppets, The Thing That Should Not Be, Welcome Home, Sanitarium, Disposable Heroes, Leper Messiah, Orion, Damage Incorporated. There's not a song that I skip on this album, ever. I, it's it's amazing from beginning to end. Um, you know, in a lot of people's opinions, inside of metal and outside of metal, this was considered to be the the greatest thrash metal album of all time. And still considered that way. You know, this this was the band as they were in the 80s at their culmination. You know, this was them reaching that that uh, that highest point. I don't know what, how things would have gone had Cliff continued living. Uh, you know, if he if he had not passed away, who knows what direction would Metallica be as big as they are now? Who knows? Because we don't know if the Black Album would have ever come out. We don't know what what injustice for all or or whatever follow up follow up there was would be so that's that's a, a question that can never be answered um but we know that in 1986 this album came out and blew the band up to a point where people really started noticing them and not just the typical thrash metal fan people noticed them and it was just bad timing, like there was ever, like there was ever good timing for somebody to die, but like you know, the, the timing was just horrible, um, you know. And it took them, you know, four, five years to kind of reach that next point, because as as big as Injustice for All is, and as you know, highly placed as we have it. That was a, a a grieving moment. That was them trying to prove something, like we said, and it's not the same in in that you know continued effort of just moving forward and improving. There was there was anger behind it in a different way. You know, Master of Puppets was not an angry album in the same way. You know, it's angry as in their you know teenagers, young adults, you know moving forward and um, being angry at the world, but not a personal level of anger that's the same. So Master Puppet still had an innocence to it in a way. Yes, 
I, I agree with, with all that. Uh, it, it is absolutely all that and more. Um, it was just, there's nothing else that can be said about it. And it, no matter what anybody thinks about the Black Album, Master of Puppets is Metallica's masterpiece from front to back. Okay, it is absolutely the best piece of work that they have done in their career. Mm-hmm. I you agree. Know? So it, it is the reason why it is our number one album. And that's a consensus. All right, so um, let's go over the, the 10 again. Number 10 is St. Anger. Number nine is Death Magnetic. Number eight is Reload. Number seven, Load. Number six, Hardwired to Self-Destruct. Number five, Kill Em All. Number four, Metallica. Number three, And Justice for All. Number two, Ride the Lightning. And number one, Master of Puppets. I, I, I like it. I do. I really like it. Yeah, it's... it's- it's always going to be one of those thoughts where, you know, how do I feel this day or that day? But I think at the end of the day, we're always going to feel that strongly about Master Puppets. It's just, it is what it is. It's an amazing album. Okay. So, since we're on the topic of Metallica, that brings us to our big four for tonight. And um, before we get into the big four, I wanted to say one thing. Um, you and I... Chris have have really focused in on like a, a certain amount of groups, a certain collection of groups, and I, I, I believe you know every so often we try to grab one from the outside the circle, and I, I think we we we're almost getting to the point where we're starting to pigeonhole ourselves. So one thing that I and and. I'm going to work with you on this or, or not. I'm going to collaborate with you. One thing that I, or that you and I are going to collaborate with for the, our listeners out there is that we're going to try and open up the, the dialogue to include many more bands as possible in this coming year. And these, these whole new episodes that we're going to be doing for the rest of the, the or all these new episodes that we're going to be doing from now on because there's so many metal bands out there that we just keep glossing over. And so, uh, yes, we started the new year out with Metallica, something that we've done before, but there's a reason why. Um, and from here forward, we're going to really look into trying to expand the list of bands and, and artists that we have talked about to kind of bring in, more more people who like those bands. I mean, what do you what do you think about that? I mean, it's true. We we like to talk about a lot of these bands because we know a lot about them. So there is something to be said of having more like learning more about some other bands. We've found music both of us that we never thought we would like by doing this project, you know, like by every week you know, we, we talk about bands. I, I bring up somebody that I like that you ha- you end up having to listen to for our discussion. And then you're like, well, maybe I do like these guys. So there is that opportunity in talking more about other bands. I think, you know, some fan suggestion would be awesome, you know, about 
you know, maybe what we should talk about next or something. And we've had we've had some people do that where they, we've uh, they've sent in some suggestions and it's worked out great. So I'd, we'd love to hear it. You know, whatever you would like to hear, um, you know, it, it, all it does is expand our minds as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I really look forward to what the, what topics we're, we're going to be doing this year because it's not just going to be a worse of first. It's not just going to be head to head to head. It's not just going to be greatest hits. We're, 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 we're trying to get back. We did a lot of different kinds of topics when we first started the show and we may even re uh, you know, take a look back at some of those topics and kind of maybe expand on them. Maybe there's some new bands that are, or, or other bands that fit into that same mold. So we definitely want to expand the conversation. And that's really what this is all about having a metal conversation. So I look forward to the, to the coming year in, in, in regards to the topics that we're going to bring up. But today we're finishing off with big four Metallica moments. Um, so I want you to go first on this because uh, of something you said earlier that I kind of need to go and say it a certain way. Um, so uh, go ahead and give me your big four Metallica moments. Okay. Um, so my number four is the nine, 1992 Guns N' Roses tour incident. Um, so basically, and, and if you're a Metallica fan, you've, you've heard of this, um, there was uh, some an accident on stage where James was burned. Um, it, you know, Guns N' Roses, being who they were at that point in their career, handled it really poorly. Um, Metallica could not fulfill exactly what they were supposed to do with their tour dates and um, handled it extremely well coming back to the show or coming back to the same location and playing their dates, you know, at a later time, um, Metallica really showed that they were professionals, you know, even being as young as they were, um, Guns N' Roses obviously did not handle things well. And it just showed that even at that stage in their career, Metallica was, you know, very professional. You're talking about the Montreal riot, Montreal. Yep. Okay. All right, so my number three is uh, the big four shows in 2010. Um, you know, bringing together four bands that people consider the largest uh, acts in thrash, um, you know, kind of reuniting some people that had, you know, issues with each other over the years. Obviously, Kerry King and Dave Mustaine, Dave having issues with the members of Metallica having been kicked out. Um, you know, there were some, uh, and the anthrax guys love everybody. So, you know, that's cool. Um, <laughs> you know, but there was, there was a lot of stuff going on that it could have potentially fallen apart. You have a lot of egos in one place and, you know, Kerry King alone has enough ego to fill that whole stadium. So, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's interesting and, and it, go back and watch those shows. They're very good. Um, you can get the Blu-ray. I don't know if it's still re- re- you know readily available. Um, you may have to get it on eBay or something. I'm not sure, but um, it's out there and they're really worth watching. Um, my number two is S&M from 1999. Um, one thing that I really like about S&M is you think about cl- who Cliff was. He was 
really into classical music that shows in a lot of the early stuff that they did um bringing in classical music into their performance on a live show is kind of a tribute in a way to that uh it's also something very different that hadn't really been done up till that point uh so it's a really interesting show i remember listening to that cd a lot back in 1999 um, I know they've done a, a second S&M that I haven't really listened to a whole lot, and I probably should give that more of an effort, but um, that first S&M was something special. And my number one was the reunion show that brought in all the old guys, Dave Mustaine, Ray, Ron McGovney, even John Bush uh, played a song with him, which if you know, John Bush was invited to be a singer for Metallica and turned it down. Um, could have changed the course of history for good or bad. Who knows? Um, but it was really interesting to see him sing with them. Um, but it was just a cool thing to show like all these guys, you know, years later after whatever issues they had and, you know, just get together with them as well as a lot of other musicians and just put on a, a really fun show that everybody appeared to be having a good time. So that to me was my number one. That's awesome because I was going to bring that up um, as, as because of, I am such a big Metallica fan. I was going to bring that up and that was actually going to be my honorable mention. I know we don't like to do honorable mentions, but because you mentioned it as your number one, my mention is it, it's a series. So to, to kind of further expand on that, mm -hmm. Um, it is a series of shows. There was four shows that took place in San Francisco in 2011. It was December 5th, 7th, 9th, and 10th. And um, they took place in San Francisco at the Fillmore, which is a small little club. Okay, That's one thing that I really liked about it, too. Oh, yeah. That it was and so intimate. Yeah, it was intimate. The, the other thing, too, listening to it, the sound is, is not as bombastic. It's, it, and it's, so it's cool. You could just tell you're right there. Mm -hmm. um, so the cost of the tickets for all four shows, if you bought a, a package, was $19.81, um, obviously reflecting the year that the band started. Um, or if you could only go for a single show, one or two or, or three, it was $6 for the show. Um, so the unique thing that was really cool about all these uh, each night, besides the fact that they brought in different singers and different artists um, throughout the, the four shows... Um, and you, and you mentioned reunion, they brought back Lloyd Grant, which is the guy who did the That's first true. I guitar didn't solo. Him. Yeah, that is really cool. Yeah. He did the first guitar solo. He's a black guy with dreads and he did the first guitar solo for hit the lights that went on the metal massacre album. So the first edition of vinyl, whoever has it, you got something priceless in your hands. And he played alongside with Dave Mustaine when they did hit the lights, which is crazy. Um, so Besides that, the, the cool thing about the four shows was that other than one song, and it was the closer, Seek and Destroy, closed the show every night. Other than that, every single night had a completely different set. They did not repeat one song other than Seek and Destroy. So I thought that was really cool. That's why it was my honorable mention. Um, there's so many things about those four shows. It's so, so, so cool. All right. Uh, so my number four, so 
the the they're not going. This is not going to be the 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 sweetest of number fours and top moments and saying ah okay. So so my number four is Dave Mustaine getting fired. Okay, April eleventh, nineteen eighty three. Dave Mustaine woke up with Lars Ulrich basically slapping him in the face and saying hey 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 wake up. Here's your bus ticket. You're going back home. You've been fired. And I, I call that a, a really big Metallica moment because it changed the course of the band. Even before they had recorded a song or recorded an album. They recorded a song at this point. Because they get rid of Dave and they bring in Kirk the same day Kirk shows up. I mean, that's how crazy this whole event was. Okay, And Kirk just a week later goes on to record kill them all with the band. Okay. It, that that's a huge thing. Like you're good. You're, you have really no pull, no say, no, no, nothing. You fire your guitar player, pull a guitar player from another band and say, okay, you're in the band now. Boom. Okay. And look where they are now. I mean, it's, it, it, it is a crazy turning point in their history, even though their history at that point was a year and a half, two years old. It's nuts. Um, number three, and I, I this is the one that's not so happy, Cliff Burton passing away. The, these Metallica moments, as, as much as we call them big four and they're big moments, this is not the best of moments, but it is one of the most impactful of moments for the band. Cliff Burton passing away on a tour bus as skids and flips and kills him okay, is huge because it, again, changes their course of history. You know, they're driving down the lane. They fired Dave Mustaine. Now, all of a sudden, they're switching highways. You know, two years later, after that, or two actually two and a half years later, or almost three, actually, it is three years later, 1986, you know, they're, they're going down the figurative highway in this particular case, and... Cliff Burton passes away, and now they, they change lanes again, and they're going in a different direction. It's huge for, for the band. Um, so now to lighten things up a little bit. Well, I just, I just want to say, so w- before we started recording, I, I said that I didn't want to put this as on my big four because I just had, there was like something morbid about putting it as like, oh, these are the big four moments. I, I, but when I said that to you, I knew you had it on your list because <laughs> <laughs> of the it, way you responded. Yeah, right. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a huge moment. It's not the best moment, but it is no, a huge I mean, moment. Yeah. So. It's, it's definitely exactly what you said. It changed the course of things. So right. I get it. So, so to, to make things a little bit lighter, number two, um, the number two moment for me as, as, as a Metallica fan and just in general, just looking at their career, playing all seven continents in one year. Um, and it's not a, a, not a 12-month period. It's literally all happened in 2013. Um, they set a Guinness Book of World Records record um, as the first musical act to perform on all seven continents in a single year. That year was 2013. Uh, and they finished it off by playing in Antarctica in a really cool show that was inside a dome. The band did not play with any amplifiers. They literally, the only thing that you could hear was the drums. 
Okay, they and the reason why it was in a little tiny dome was to keep the the sound of the drums from going and escaping out into the to the land uh, in the surrounding uh, landscape. I guess put it that way. So they had they plugged into their not the amplifiers, but the amplifier itself. But they had no speakers, so they plugged into their equipment. They had no speakers, but they recorded into a soundboard so they could have it. And so what ended up happening is that everybody had to put headphones on so that they can hear the band play. That is a really unique and very cool experience. I wish I would have been one of the people there. It's awesome. So you see this thing and you hear the music, but you see everyone banging with head, head banging with headphones on. It's a pretty, pretty cool video. All right. And my number one... Um, Big metallic, big four Metallica moment um, is Metallica played September twenty eighth, nineteen ninety one, at Tushino Airfield in Russia. Okay, to what has been now established as anywhere from five hundred thousand to a million people a free concert that ended up being part of the Monsters of Rock tour with ACDC. Metallica, Pantera, and the Black Crows. And they were asked, they being all the bands, were asked if they were willing to put on this free show in this airfield because Russia, and we say Russia because just a few days later, the USSR and communism collapsed and became the actual country of Russia that it is now. So at the time that they were stepping into the country, it was the USSR. And a few days later, the USSR dissolved and became Russia. So that is a huge, huge moment in their lives. And I can only imagine what it would have been like to be on that stage and, and feel, feel that from one million people. It's just insane to think about. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Anyhow, that's my big four metallic moments. I really liked your big four metallic moments because those were cool. I, I knew about, the obviously, all of these, but... I, I did have an idea about maybe putting in the big four shows. I forgot about maybe putting in the riot, but I didn't, that was uh, too much negativity. <laughs> well, I mean, it is, but at the same time, I thought the way they handled it, it's pretty incredible. Oh, I remember watching, it was some VH1 or something like that a long time ago, and they were talking about it, and I was just like, wow, that's that's really awesome. You know, mm-hmm. and this this... To to know, like, at that stage in their career, the way they handled things. Because, I mean, look, look at, really, just look at the juxtaposition of that versus Guns N' Roses. And in, in the, the the sad part about it is that you we use the term Guns N' Roses when, in reality, this it's was Axel. all Axel's fault. Yeah, but they had to go along with it as oh, a Yeah, band, they had no you choice. Know. You know, they had to go along with it. But it, in, in the in the end, it was all Axel's fault. And you need to give SNM two a good a good listen to. Um, I'm going to say put it this way: There's a guy who plays bass for the orchestra, who came out and did on his stand up electric bass. He did anesthesia pulling teeth, and I pretty much shed some tears on that one. It was pretty emotional for me. So I, I really like that. All right. All right. Well, 
That's our big four Metallica moments, and that brings to a close our first episode of 2022. So if you liked what you heard and want to hear more, find us wherever you get your podcasts, click the subscribe button, and sit back and enjoy. That's right. <laughs> and if you enjoyed what you heard today, be sure to leave us a message on Facebook at Debating Metal Podcast and on Instagram and Twitter at Debating Metal. On Facebook, it is different. Again, it's Debating Metal Podcast, and on Instagram, it's Debating Metal or at Debating Metal. Also, be sure to check us out on YouTube and leave us a comment. If you disagree with our list and want to give us your own list, send us an email to debatingmetal at gmail.com and we'll read your list on the next episode. If you use Spotify, be sure to check out our playlist from all our Greatest Hits episodes. And remember to tune into the next episode when we spark up another exciting metal debate. On behalf of Kenneth and myself, stay safe, always turn it up to 11, and Happy New Year. See ya.